Alrighty, everybody. It's a rainy day here in Ybor City, but I've got some exciting guests for you. Keely and Mark Toro, also known as Tampa Flippers. Welcome to the show, guys. Yeah, thanks for so having excited. us. So excited. We've been trying to make this happen for a while, so I thanks know. for the invite. It's been on the schedule. Yes. Um, so right before we went live, we were talking about an interesting story early on in your career. You were working with a client. They were getting into house flipping, and... During that process, someone you were saying got their real estate license and listed the home outside of you? It was the next home. So I saved them from making a terrible, well, they had already made a terrible choice. They had bought a house that um, had some serious issues to it. So it took a lot of extra legwork. They were losing money already. And they had purchased the house like through a wholesaler who hadn't been fully honest with them. They didn't understand what they were purchasing. Um, their realtor was ignorant to what they were purchasing as well. So they got, I got involved on the listing side of it when it was done and it mm. turned into a nightmare and they were at risk of losing their retirement savings. Um, they were already going to lose money either way. So, cause they had overpaid for the house on the front end. So I waived my fees for them. I helped wow. them through the whole process. I was their savior. They loved me so much and then the next house that they flipped, they said, oh, well, my cousin got licensed, so we're going to let her list this one. So I had literally, like, saved them from financial ruin only to be repaid with, like, no money ever from them. And then, yeah. That's such a common story with <laughs> realtors, right? Like, that's our number one competition is, oh, well, my wife is licensed right. or my right. cousin is licensed. Right. Sure. Right. Do you have your real estate license? I for? don't. No, I used to be a loan officer for a while, but uh, yeah, never, never dabbled. Never, never dove into it. So is that kind of how you got started in your real estate business was as a realtor? I did. So I got licensed. I'm going to date myself and sound really old. <laughs> I got licensed in college, which was back in 2005. And I was one of those college girls that, you know, were like all the way at the peak of the housing market at that time. And I was like, I'm going to get rich selling real estate. Everybody's getting rich. And I got licensed and then the market tanked. Um, but I never got out of it. I really loved it. And I have stayed licensed, been full-time realtor. Here locally? Uh, Tampa for five years. We were in Spring Hill prior yeah, to that. Tampa area. So, Tampa Bay. Tampa area. Yeah, yeah. Still GTAR, I believe. Um, so H-Car, yeah, which is Fernando. Fernando. Okay. That's the boonies. They have their the own, boonies. they have their whole own MLS. They do not want to be part of the big city. Oh. Uh, so yeah. But when you're there and you want a good dinner, you still have to come out here. So you're, you're basically a Tampini. Yeah. You're basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're close enough. Went right. to USF, exactly. you know, yep. we're, we're Tampinians. That area is actually really, really pretty. The rolling hills with the oak trees. Yeah. Like, yeah. I always thought that that could be kind of a luxurious, like second home community. It's growing. Outside of the city. It's growing. It's getting there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Our parents still have, live up there. So we're there frequently and it's, it's, they have all the restaurants now. Sure. Yeah. Where'd you go to college? USF. Okay. Yeah. So you go? USF and, and then UF. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Fantastic. So you get kind of crushed, right? And you're like, damn, this sucks. Real estate, you know, not the most, you know, loyal profession, I guess. But how did you get into flipping and investing? So Mark, when Mark and I, so Mark and I dated in high school and then rekindled over a car accident that he was in. Um, in our early 20s. And so he was doing mortgages at the time. I was licensed and I also had my notary. So we early on figured out like we can create this little bubble around us where we kind of make as much money as we can off one transaction. So he would do the mortgage. I would sell the house. Um, if he was doing refis, I would close the loan. Um, 
and we pushed through. Like, even though the housing market had crashed, we just kept kind of like pivoting our business. And I never got discouraged from that. So um, I ended up listing foreclosures. I was Mm. an REO agent for a few years. And it's very similar to flipping houses. So you have an asset manager that's in a whole other state. They know nothing about the community and they're relying on an agent. They're sending you listings, but for that listing, they want you to evaluate the property. You're kind of like boots on the ground, like what condition is this property in? And then do a market analysis that is, if we go crazy and we really renovate this property, what can we get for it? If mm. we sell it as is for cash, what what can we get for it? If we minimally fix them up, what can we get for it? And you're working with that asset manager to develop a repair strategy and then a pricing strategy and you're selling it. And this is back when subprime had crashed. There's no such thing as hard money. There's no private money. Yeah, this is right after the financial crisis, right? So were you in lending before the crash? I was. After? Yeah, wow. I, I started so rode that early, that early 05. I did. Yeah. And you had to pivot, right? So you had to go from so I started started in subprime. And then it turned to what we call alt a paper. So it's uh, close to a paper, but it's hard to prove income. So you have to do it with bank statements and so on. Uh, then that fell apart. So then I had to go to government financing because there was a multi-year period where the only loans were FHA, VA, right? Right. And then that kind of transitioned back to conventional lending. So yeah, I had to go through the full oh my gosh, spectrum of lending just to survive, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe you stuck with it. So many people didn't. I know a lot of people yeah. got out of that business. Sure, sure. So I did too, right? I did yeah, five or so years and then I uh, became a financial advisor uh, and did that for a few, few years. And that's actually where we ended up doing our first flip. She was managing uh, assets for you know Bank of America, Bank of New York Mellon, these huge asset managers. And I was a finance guy, right, an investor. Uh, naturally, the returns in real estate because the leverage is better than the market, right? So oh, yeah. uh, we ended up uh, in the same month, I received a pretty big bonus at work, uh, big for back then because right. money was worth half, right? So, mm-hmm. um, And she had a huge commission in the, in the same month, and we said, hey, let's, let's, you know, let's take a spin at it, right? So we did our first few flips all in cash. So, so what was that first deal? So our first deal, we, oh, we, we did a terrible job. <laughs> horrible. As most people do it was with a, anything their so first time. So when we time. look back on it, it. It was a bro flip. Yeah, when we look back <laughs> on it, we're like, this is kind of crazy. But when I was doing the REOs and, and working, I was working closely with investors and I was seeing them like flip these houses and make money. And obviously everything was cash. And I was like, we can do this. Like I'm already doing it. I already have the contractors in place because I had to do that with for the banks, for the repairs. And then we get this influx of cash, which this is how different money is. Because for us, it was like a life-changing amount of money, but it was only a hundred grand between the two. Time out. And I say this every time. So adjusted for inflation, I'm going to be the nerdy finance guy <laughs> all day with you. Two hundred thousand. All right, it's not too bad. It was right? a life-changing yeah. amount of money. So we decided to buy this flip. So you, so it was a three-bedroom, two-bath. What year was this? Oof. What year was this? This was 12, like ten years 13, ago. Yeah, twenty thirteen. Early 2013. Early yeah. 2013. Yeah. So, I mean, you could buy a house, and even in South Tampa, for 150, 200. Sure. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, we were and in we Spring, were in Spring Hill, Hill at the time. Even cheaper. Oh. Right? Yeah. So this is a three bedroom, two bath, like 1,800 square foot pool home, and we paid like 63,000 for right. it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. then I think we put like 40 grand into it. And uh, so you were all cash. The we whole, were all cash. all cash. We did our I first. Think we might have tapped into the 401k on that first deal. We were that story that you hear. Uh, it all worked out ultimately, right? We're here. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think either that deal or the second deal, we tapped into the 401k. But yeah, it was gray. It was ugly. It had like no style whatsoever. It was very plain. We didn't stage it. We didn't take professional photos of it. Like, we just did all of the things that you should yeah. not do on a flip. The vanity would, in the bathroom would open up into the wall. Yes. You know, yeah. all the stuff. I look at what 
you guys do today, and I'm so impressed by your design and quality and everything you do. I, I really think you guys are some of the best thank you. Oh, flippers, thank you. if you want to call it, air quote, thank you. out there. But in on that first flip, where did you get your ideas? I mean, obviously, you're saying it wasn't that good of a design, but were you looking at Pinterest or magazines? No. So we're like older millennials. So we were like late adop- adop- there was adapters. No, there was adopters. no Google back then, right? Like, like no. <laughs> um, I had, you know, at that point, I had already been in real estate for many years. So I had been in and out of houses. Mm. And this house was, I would say, like a mid-level house for Spring Hill. But obviously I had sold, you know, higher end homes in Hernando County. And so it was kind of just this thought of, well, let's make it, you know, kind of nicer mm. um, for what you would get for a mid-level house and do it that way. And we did have some cool features. Like we did a mudroom built in in one of our yeah. first ones, which yeah. people weren't doing anything like that in their flips. So we, we had this idea. It was like a little baby spark of an idea when we first started flipping of, like some cool features and doing the design a little bit different than kind of what traditional flipping was doing. And that kind of snowballed. And then when we moved to Tampa, it really snowballed into like a strategy. Do you remember the numbers on the first deal? I mean, you said you paid 60 for the house, put 40 in it. Yeah. You made about a hundred. We made about 40 grand on that first flip. Yeah. And back then that wasn't bad. Right? We were in no, and out well, a few months. That was great months, back right? then. Yeah. We made. That's phenomenal. Sure. We yeah, made sure. like 40% return. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, know, did, we did pretty good on the, yeah. on the first one. I will say we learned a valuable lesson on that first flip. Mm. So we did everything aesthetically, you know, not beautiful uh, compared to today, what we're doing today, but I'd say it looked pretty good. Right. Uh, but we, there was a crack in the pool area. So it just looked a little funky, right? So in Spring Hill, everything is, you know, there's a ton of sinkholes everywhere. So the whole house is beautifully done, you know, aesthetically. Uh, but we left that one minor crack, and we had a cash buyer 40 grand above asking. Like the day we went to In market, contract, we're ready to close, that. and then right right before the inspection period was over, hey, I don't feel real comfortable because of that crack in the pool mm. area. So we learned, you know, you, you really have to think about the whole product on, right. that, on that first Button flip. Super valuable lesson. Yeah. So the lesson was you should have just gone ahead and corrected. I mean, it would have been oh, 50 been bucks a f- for yeah. us to like uh, epoxy yeah, sure. the crack and epoxy paint it, the deck. flatten it out, paint the deck, right? Yeah. Super easy. 40 it was, we were at that stage because early on we would do, you know, we were over there every day. We were doing a lot of the work ourselves and um, we had babies at the time. I think our son wasn't even born yet. Yeah. Ayla was really little. Yeah. I think it was pregnant. Um yeah, and we were just, like, burned out. We were, like, over being at that house. And yeah. so it was kind of like we left some of the little details kind of unfinished, thinking, like, oh, the house is great. Somebody's going to buy it. And we would have made more money because we ended up, I think, on the market for a little while, like, maybe two weeks before. Sorry. Like, two weeks before we got under contract on it. But we would have had a cash buyer, like, at our initial asking price had we just fixed that crack. Darn. So it was a good lesson. Yeah. Yeah. On my first deal, that's amazing you guys made forty grand. On my first flip, I made zero. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It was in Sarasota. We paid one ninety five. Probably put fifty or so in it, and then sold it. I mean, I don't think we lost money, but we made enough to pay commissions. And, and I mean, all that's the a win sometimes, right? I thought like, it was a win, and I and you can even look back on my Instagram. I posted about it at the time when we sold it. This was in I think twenty fifteen, but I put on there like I learned so much. Like that was the value. Was sure. All those mistakes I made. Now I don't have to make again on the next right. one. Because if you start making mistakes in real estate. That can really screw yeah. you up. That can yeah. cost you a lot of money. I mean, I think that's what a lot of people don't understand about flipping is you're you're paying for the education as you go. Oh, yeah. Like, it's costing you real dollars. The mistakes you make cost you real dollars. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, so somebody who's been in the business for a long time and has been flipping for a long time, they've paid for a lot of mistakes. They've learned a lot and grown a lot, but they've also, you know, it's, it's not as shiny and pretty as people make it. There's risk there. There's a lot of information out there too. There's obviously YouTube and videos and, you know, there's, there's books out there on how to flip a house, but until you do that first deal, you're not going to understand any of it. Right. You just have to jump in and and go for it. So you guys made 40. That's pretty good. Yeah. Did you kind of have stars in your eyes and this epiphany? Oh, yeah. Especially we were you, like Keely, addicted. Because you yeah, were still we kind of working full-time sure. in mortgages. Sure, sure. Well, you were working full-time as a realtor, too, at the time. Yes. So this was a part-time. At what point, you know, did it kind of turn for you into a more of a full-time thing? So I've always done both, right? So when I was working with the banks, and again, this kind of goes back to this idea early on where it's like capture different parts of the process. Um So I've kind of always done both because when I was working for the banks, the investors will come direct to the listing agent to purchase the property, Mm -hmm. right? They want to beat out the other bids and, um, you know, they they feel like if they go to the listing agent, that'll probably help them. Um, And then a lot of times the buyers were doing the same thing because the market was starting to heat up. And so I've always kind of done both. When we moved to Tampa and I started our Instagram page, um, we started that just to kind of show our work, like to pre-sell it. You know, mm-hmm. if we can get buyers lined up before it ever even hits the market, great. You know, we're on to the next one right away. And we purchased our first flip in Tampa, completely sight unseen. We were living, we actually did, a, we were in Atlanta for a year prior to moving to Tampa. Um, purchased that flip, and that was kind of where I had started the page, like just showing that journey of how we purchased it. And we immediately purchased purchased a second house like a couple months later. So we were working on two at the same time. And from Atlanta, from Atlanta. Oh, wow. And, um, both of them, we were at this moment where, well, when I was looking at the comps, I'm like, we probably are going to break even. Like, I don't know if we're even going to really make money on these. Um, but one of them was a super cool bungalow in the Heights that was in like the perfect, like walkable neighborhood. And so we just made the decision. We were like, if we're going to maybe lose money. Like, let's just lose a a lot of money. (laughs) So we decided to go all in on the design, like make it really buyer specific. And it worked to our favor. We made money on it. It was a beautiful experience. And that was kind of the start of the like addiction to this design component of the flips, like really redesigning them. Um, And then that kind of segued through the page for me to helping other investors capture that same type of return because we were setting i mean this is before the housing market was hot mm-hmm. so this is what year was this 15? 17 no. I think, yeah oh yeah i guess it would be no it was like six, 16. 16 17 um so i can brag about this everybody can brag about it now but we were like setting records in neighborhoods mm-hmm. before that was a thing right and other investors were like how are you before having-? every new sale was correct a exactly right. so other investors were like how did you get 30 grand more for that house nice count, right. because i wanted i want to do whatever you did that's, so. that's such a big part of <clears throat> investing. When people talk about risk, right, you're, you're putting money up for risk, right? That's what speculation is and, right. and house flipping. The better design you have and the more you put into a property, obviously you can over-improve something. But the better designed it is, really your risk goes down because you're opening up that house to a bigger buyer pool. Absolutely. So you kind of found that on y'all's own where it was like, let's just go overboard. And it right. turned out that you got some excited people about it, some right. excited buyers. So right. a couple stories there, right? So I think, you know, I think the first lesson was, you know, she went from, you know, just designing 
you know, for the sake of having pretty design to designing with the end buyer in mind. Who's the consumer that is going to buy this particular house in this location, right? Who needs a 2-1 far from the river in this beautiful bungalow neighborhood, right? So they probably don't have kids in school. And I think she landed on, you know, the exact persona of who would buy it. And then she designed the house for that person. That's a very right? smart way to do it. Right. So, and then from there, right, every house as she goes into it, right. So now it's just morphed into a talent. But And is that a lot from you just being a realtor and working with buyers or are you looking at data, demographics? No, I think a lot of it just stems from the experience of, you know, while we're flipping houses, while I'm working with the banks, while I'm working with investors, I'm also still a full-time real estate agent. And so I'm going through, you know, one buyer might go through five houses. We might go through 20 houses. And so you're hearing that feedback. They're mm-hmm. saying like, well, why is this like this? Or I'm not, I love everything about this house, but with the back door being through the master bedroom, like this one's a no go for me. And so you're learning like just off of that buyer's those objections, feedback. Those, right? those, those objections that buyers have that, you know, the house checks all of the boxes, but this one little thing they say sure. no right. to. Exactly. Right. And I think oftentimes you'll find that that one little thing is common with a lot of buyers, right. whether right. it's a busy street corner or whatever it is. A, a, as far, a and as far as the like master. the layout and the design, it's it's things that actually a lot of flippers overlook. A lot of those like common buyer objections are things that flippers will, at least in my experience, you know, for I've dealt with, I've helped dozens of flippers right over the last five years out here um they themselves will recognize it as like a deterrent but they have this mentality of like if i build it they will come so if i just make the house pretty right it's going to work out and i'm going to have multiple offers but and while that was true at three percent interest i think we're starting to see a squeeze and a change right a little bit right now um where we're shifting kind of back to a more normalized market because of the interest rates and this is where flippers are going to see the squeeze of those mistakes. For a while, we haven't yeah. really had to, um, but you you know, there's certain things you just can't overlook in a flip. There, there's go ahead, Mark. So we're looking to create value with the spatial design, right? So that's another part, right? So it's not just aesthetics, right? If you think about Keeley as a designer or the design business in general, pull this thing right up. Yeah, it's it's not just aesthetics, right? It's it's spatial design, layout. How will the family live in the home? And I think you can create value that way. So when we go into a house, we, we're saying. You know, how can we change this house to make it better instead of just thinking, hey, how do we make it prettier? Right? Mm, interesting. So you won't, you know, exclusively select beautiful tile and paint and all that stuff. You'll actually go in, spend extra money to remove that door in the master, sure. right. put it in the living exactly. room. Right. You yeah. know, a lot of, I feel like a lot of flippers don't want to do that. Right. Oh, yeah, that's, sure. you know, $15,000. Like that's a lot of money I won't get back. Right, but you're removing a huge objection that right. would enable you to sell the property in the first place. Exactly right. right. Supply and demand, right? Supply so and demand. If you start to deter buyers, you have less demand on a, on a particular property, right? So what you're trying to do is just make the house as acceptable to as many buyers as possible, and then you get multiple offers. I mean, what we've seen in the market, right, is like the last couple of years, 15, 20 offers on a property, mm-hmm. right? And so even when the market slows down, like my goal for our flips is still going to be 15 to 20 offers. Mm. Like there's always going to be buyers buying houses. And if your house is functionally, there's no, there's no functional obsolescence to the house. They love the flow of it. They feel like their family would be comfortable there. And it's the prettiest house on the MLS. Right. Like you got 15 buyers ready to buy so your you house. So you guys are looking for home runs oh, at for this sure. point. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I, you know, I think, you know, you think about flippers, you have this spectrum. You talked about value investors earlier, right? Kind of discount low cost, high volume, slim margins. But mm-hmm. on the other side of that spectrum, you really have boutique, right? Where they're doing 
way less transactions, spending more per house, beautifying, higher margins. So every flipper is somewhere on that spectrum between cost and boutique or you know, what we call differentiation, right? So we're pretty far down the spectrum. I wouldn't say we're boutique because we still want to do you know, a handful of transactions throughout the year. Uh, but you know, the further you are on that spectrum, the, the bigger your margins are, right? I think the, that that spectrum also includes price range too, right? Yeah. Like there are a lot of buyers that will overlook that door in the master if your price range is three, four, five hundred grand. But right. when you start talking about higher price ranges, exactly. a lot of those objections are amplified. Yeah. Well, and I, I think you do that kind of like analysis of along that same vein of like, who is the buyer for this property? And when you're looking at that MLS data, like what is the expectation for this price point? So mm. if the expectation for a $300,000 price point is, you know, it's it was partially updated in the 90s and they recently redid the kitchen, but it's all pieced together. Well, I mean, you can be a little bit less grand on your flip because you're going to have a house that's fully redone, right? right. And so you're already better at that price point. So it's kind of looking at, at that. But yeah, a, a million dollar buyer or, you know, an $800,000 buyer, they're going to be, they're going to be wanting some cool stuff in the house probably discriminating yes the, the discriminating buyer right, right. So like they they have certain you know things that they need in order to pay a certain price yes and i'm doing the same thing right now i'm selling my condo and i had in mind who would buy it i looked at um you know what are some of the new buildings like the addition and what those are costing and what mm -hmm. that design looks like and one tampa and pendry and i thought there's no high quality condo downtown that you can pay 950 900 a million bucks for but it comes with real hardwood flooring and marble mm -hmm. and built-in right. appliances so i created that right yeah. unfortunately we're in a different market right now so it's just been sitting for two weeks but i'm pretty confident there's a buyer out there that'll yeah, say hey i don't want to pay two million bucks i'll pay one million but yeah, i still sure. get that same level of finish and i don't have to wait for one tampa to be built right which i think they said what did we just see, Tyler? It was like, they said 2026. I forgot the date. That's going to take years, right? I mean, right. you know, you're not going to be moving into a condo that's not even out of the ground for four years, sure. maybe, right. at best. Right. So so I kind of pinched the market. Um, but it would be really interesting to see if I could get that number. The building is Ventana downtown in okay. Channelside. Okay. Yeah. That was built right before the crash really as a boutique luxury building. Those floor plans are big, two bedroom, almost 1800 square feet. Wow. Huge kitchen. The kitchen is the size of uh, something you would find in like a $2 million home in South Tampa. So right. if I, if this works and I do find a buyer, I think that might be another little niche of real estate flipping is condominiums that, sure. that really hasn't happened yet in Tampa. Yeah, I'd agree. You know, we're not, we're, you know, we're an urban city, but yeah, this I is think the condo right now. Beautiful. Oh, wow. that's beautiful. So over, over improve is, is one it. way to put it right. Or <laughs> that's, that's right on the money. Yeah. That's great. I mean, I think that buyers that are looking at million dollar condos in a downtown lifestyle, well, like they want over improved. True. Like they, they want their, their friends to come over and be like, you have the coolest oh, there's the condo before. in Tampa. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, this is my Instagram. Duh. I'm like, who put that up on <laughs> Zillow? What the? There it is. Yeah. So, That's great. Yeah. So I, I went above and beyond with everything. And I think, you know, you guys essentially do the same thing where you don't go to Home Depot and buy the cheapest fan or the light sure. fixture. You're right. curating a piece for that home, for that end user. Right. For sure. 
So from those first few flips kind of on over the next few years, it sounds like you guys focused on one location, like Seminole Heights, Tampa Heights. Has that been a majority of your flips? Yeah, Hernando County and then Seminole Heights, Tampa Heights has been up to this point, kind of the primary focus. We've done some others, like we've done Carrollwood. We're just lazy. Like, we don't want to drive that far. Spring Hill's easy because our family is still right. out there, so we're out there regularly anyway. Um, but I'd say we're focused on the urban core. Yeah. Urban right. core. Yeah. We yeah. live in South Tampa now. We, we lived in the Heights for, the you know, the first five years that we lived here. Um, so we just like to kind of stay, keep our projects close so that we can keep a handle on what's going on over there without having to drive 40 minutes to get there. How important is that for you guys? How important is staying on top of those contractors and those subs and making sure you show up and, and you're letting them know your expectations? Yeah. You know, I think you have to build a partnership, right? Um, I would only go into a project with somebody that you trust, right? And of course that's take some time, you know, vetting process, maybe have to go through a few transactions, but I think for us, the goal is to be as far away from the property as possible, right? To have mm. trusted partners that, you know, know the product that we want to create, uh, or, you know, staying on top of timelines. That, that's the, that's the goal. So but, we're willing to take a little bit less margin, right? We're willing to give up a little bit to be good partners mm. with our contractors. They already know I show up. I'm like, Hey, here's the design packet. Yeah. Here's what I expect out of it. Yep. And it just makes it easy so that we don't like, we want to be business owners. We don't want to be mm. flippers that are, you know, having to have stressful conversations. And and there's a learning curve to it. Like, you know, for, I, I tell flippers, especially new flippers all the time, like nobody cares about your money more than you do. Not even your most trusted contractor, sure. not even the guy that you're JVing with, right? Like it's your money and you have to protect that. So for many years, and that's where, you know, a lot of the construction knowledge came from is, I mean, we would be on site all the time, like mm. all the time, like asking questions, you know, if I wanted to do something and the contractor was like, well, we could do that, but it would be, you know, an extra amount of money. And they say, oh, we have to do a beam. And I would want them to explain that to me, like open up the wall and show me what you're talking sure. about. So that I know what the cost of things are. I know when we walk a property, like that we're just kind of looking at to see if we're going to purchase it. Like what is going to be something that would be crazy expensive to change. Um, but at this point, we're kind of focused on like forming really good relationships that are long-term relationships with people. We want everybody to win that works with right. us. And, you know, we feel like if, if it's a going to be a really lucrative business, then you have to take care of people that take care of you. And we mm -hmm. all work together as a team. So totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that's a very important part of redevelopment, being there on that job and, and being the one to make those calls. Like you mentioned about, you know, opening up a wall and needing a beam. Right. If you don't understand how that can happen, it's hard for you to explain your vision to that contractor. Sure. Right. Oftentimes, I mean, I like on my condo project, the first electrician I talked to was hemming and hawing about these built-in appliances. Right. The condo was not built to have built-in appliances. When you have built-in appliances, you have to redo the electricity mm -hmm. behind the wall. You know, it's not just as simple as a plug-in, right. right? So the first electrician is telling me it can't be done. It's going to cost this. Da, 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 da. It's this, this negative attitude from a contractor that tells me either he's not willing to make it happen or he, he's just too lazy to make it happen. Right. Sure. But me having gone through a few flips in the past, I know it's possible. I just need the, the excited contractor that yeah, says, totally. Hey, totally possible. Is it going to cost you more money? Yes, right. but we can right. do it. Those you want, are the guys, yeah, you want the guys that for. have like the can do attitude and who are also transparent. Right? right. So it's like, there's different red flags. There's like the red flag of 
the guy saying like, oh no, we can't do that. Here's all the excuses of why. Instead of saying like, yeah, we can make that happen, but here's what that looks like and here's what it's going to cost you, you know? And then you have the other guy who's like, oh yeah, we can make that happen. And then as they're in it, they're like, oh, this was more work than we thought. We're going to have to charge you an extra three grand. You're like, no, no, (laughs) you already told me that you were going to make it happen. There's probably so many people like that you've met along the way. For sure. sure. Yeah. That's people don't understand. It's, it's such a, oh my gosh, it's like herding cats sometimes with these contractors. You know, you really have to be on top of these people. You can't just say, Hey, I want a new kitchen. I want a new bathroom and then walk away. Right. Although you, I guess you can do that. And then you go view those properties and it's very apparent that the uh, developer was, was not uh, on top of that project. Correct. Um, So I think for us, you know, when we go into any property with a partner or contractor, our lender, they see the entire project before before we even buy the house. The full design scope is there mm. with a link to every finished material, product, color of paint that's going into the house, SKU numbers, links to websites. I mean, they, the entire you know, the internal rate of return is spelled out for the lender. Here's what you're going to get, right? Here's our profit margin. Everything is so buttoned up that everybody takes you so much more seriously, right? And when the contractor knows okay, I'm going to be a part of this project and it's going to be this beautiful project and, and beautiful product and it's all written out for me, right? I'm not going to have to go back and forth with these investors over and over again. Then you kind of circumvent that, hey, this can't be done. They're just going to say, let me figure out a way to get this done because well, I, I want to do right. more projects it, with it these folks. It builds that expectation. Right, right. right. exactly. And I, think it, I think it helps to deter like the shady contractors because they're like, this, these people, like they want too much, right? Right. Um, but it also... A lot of the contractors and subcontractors, like, these people are just really talented individuals. Like, whether it's the, I mean, even drywall. Like, drywall Mm -hmm. is something that nobody pays attention to. But if your drywall guy's crappy, it's the most visible thing, right? So it's like these people are, like, that are working with their hands are super talented. And I think sometimes we don't, you know, a lot of people don't see them, like, they're just part of this cog on the machine, in the machine, and they're, like, part of the process. But... Every person who's on site at the project, if they feel like it's going to be a really cool house, in my experience, they're, like, excited to be there. The tile guy is, like, coming up to me, and he's like, I love this tile that you picked. This is going to look really cool. So, I mean, there's also that kind of intrinsic value to picking cool stuff where they've been putting in, like, plain white subway tile with gray grout in seven different houses, but now they're getting to do this really cool, like, green tile that they haven't done a green tile before. Like, stuff like that just, you know, it gets people excited, so... Yeah, people want to be a part of something exciting. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And when they see the design up front, they already know what the house is going to look like. At really the end. smart you guys do that. So you almost build out like a pitch deck for the yes. lender. For everybody. Yeah. Everybody for who's everybody. involved. Every partner in the project, before we get into the project, they can see it spelled out so clearly. And they all want to be a part of it, right? So it yeah. helps for managing the contractors, like especially if you're meeting a new contractor, mm. just kind of showing them. We'll show them like past projects, we'll show them. Um, you know, that design scope with our plan for changing the layout. People are just visual. That took me a long time to, because I would go into houses and say, I want to do this, this, and this. And then Mark actually one day was like, you do realize that they're yesing you, but they probably don't really, like, I have a hard time seeing, and I've done, and I've been involved with all these projects with you, but I, I even have a hard time under following you, like, mm. as you're doing walkthroughs. So I have found that if I, like, have it on paper, and as we're walking it, I can show them. So you you guys are creating this yourselves. You don't have like an assistant that's building out. I yeah, I create I do the design work. For Amazing. Us. Yeah. I think it also establishes expectations 
how to keep the job site. Like, wow, these people are on the ball. They have this deck with color choices, et cetera. Like, I'm not going to leave that Coke can on the counter. Like, I'm going to throw that away. Like, I think that's an important part of the process. It starts the relationship off with them feeling like you're professionals, like you're professional flippers. You're not. And then I think that also, yes, it keeps their workers kind of held to a higher standard. You know, the boss that's on the job is a little bit more mindful. Um, The people, I feel like, you know, are just, I don't know, paying better attention to the house itself. Are they securing the house? Like, they just feel like it's a more professional operation. Mark's side of it, he uses, um, do you you, you care if we say what you use? Yeah, so I I use a software called Rehab Valuator, right? So these are other flippers, developers. Uh, They're actually based out of Virginia, D.C. Can you pull that up, Tyler? I've never heard of this. Interesting. Yeah, so great software. Um, You know, if you're new to the business, so, you know, anybody that comes to us for advice, hey, how do I get started? What is it called? Rehab? Yeah, Rehab Valuator. Oh, cool. Yep. So this is where you're entering in. This is kind of cost analysis, underwriting. Oh, this cool, is right? the nerdy finance guy part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Hey, a very important part of the process, yeah. right? So I, I will warn everybody if you, if, you know, if you try to sign up for the free trial, their marketing funnel is amazingly aggressive. Uh-oh, don't right? get caught yeah. in Super the funnel. Don't get caught in the funnel. <laughs> but I think you know the software is worth it. You pay fifty dollars a month. It's it's free. I mean, at fifty a month, it's absolutely free. Uh, but it'll give you estimates on you know cost per square foot for every line item in the wow. project, electrical roughings, plumbing, tile, labor, everything. So all you do is you put in your price point, your square foot. You actually just pull the property, right? You put in the property address, and then oh, everything wow. populates, right? So you can use that as a check and balance if you're a new flipper, right? So you, you'll get a quote, the quote for drywall, sixteen grand, and you're in your first few flips. So you can't like like we can now look back at mm-hmm. ten years of our flips, right? But if you're new, you'll go you'll go and say okay. 16 grand for drywall, but according to the software, it should be 9,200 for, you know, this square footage in, you know, full gut, in this full, a full gut drywall right. job, right? So, interesting. yeah, I think this is a super neat software, but you can pull uh, presentations for your lender, uh, for your contractor, just for them to see, you know, every component of the project. So my lender is always coming back to me like 50 times about, hey, I need this. Hey, I need that. Sure. You're like the lender's dream. Right? So this avoids you are it. Sure. Yes, sure. this yeah, avoids exactly. it. They right. get they get the full spreadsheet of, you know, what you're doing for the house. And then we also send our lender the design scope. And so they and actually, I mean, a lot of people with hard money can have challenges with the appraisal coming in low, mm-hmm. right? Like lo- low ARVs. Um, because of that spectrum, right? So you are you are you a value flipper? Or are you a boutique flipper? The appraiser really doesn't know. Even if you're saying I'm replacing X, Y, and Z, mm. they don't know the level of finishes or the execution, right? But if you, you know, with Keeley's design scope, they can clearly see, okay, this is going to be this level of property. So I'm going to comp it. So you're sending so this we'll to the, the, the appraiser yeah. too, and yes. saying, hey, we're, they can see the we're full taking project. this to the to yep. a premium, so that they can wow. see exactly, exactly what's right. going to happen. I've got links in there Amazing. that show, like, click on these links, and you can see our past projects. Because if, if they are assuming, right, like like everybody has kind of these general ideas about house flippers, you know, money-hungry yeah. sharks that cut corners. Cut it, exactly. Um, is it lipstick on a pig or is right. it a custom right. house? Right, and so the appraiser is going to be right. conservative. The appraiser is going to take like an, a conservative approach typically to val- evaluating these houses because their job is to protect the lender. That's ultimately what they're there for, right? Mm-hmm. And so showing them as much proof as you can about like your quality and what you plan to do to the house, it just... Helps everybody feel warm and fuzzy. Yep. I always thought about changing the name. Flipping just doesn't sound. It has such a bad connotation. <laughs> sure. Redevelopment? I don't know. I like redevelopment better. I like At this point, too. though, I feel like we couldn't change our well, Oh, you guys have the golden <laughs> Instagram. Tampa flippers. Instagram. Don't give that up. <laughs> exactly.
That's funny. Let's talk about deals now and kind of on this note with this software. Is this how you evaluate? Like if a property comes on the market, immediately you're you're putting it in the software, you're, yeah. you're doing estimations on it. So, rehab. I mean, at this point, between the two of us, we're, you know, we can underwrite on the back of a napkin, right? Because you know what your front-end closing costs are, your back-end closing costs, or everything, right? You've done so many, you can really underwrite on the back of a napkin. But I would say... Yeah, we, we use the software whenever possible because we want to see it, right? Mm-hmm. And there are some variations, right? Is this a six-month project mm-hmm. or a three-month project? I want to know exactly what my interest costs are for that time period, right? So, yeah, I'd say we use the software more often than not. But honestly, because we're together all the time when we're looking at deals, we're usually at dinner or lunch somewhere, and it's literally on the back yeah, of the Yeah, our laptop. process is kind of like a wholesaler sends, well... We have yet to buy a property from a wholesaler. We bought a property from a wholesaler in like years. Not that they're bad people. Like you're not bad people, guys, <laughs> but like actually get deals, would yeah. you? Um, right. But like, you know, we'll have a property come up in MLS or other investors will send us properties. And I'm pretty good about at this point because, you know, we're so specific on the area. And I think that's key to like being a successful flipper is really knowing your market, like where you're investing. Mm. So we're very quickly able to like look at this property and see is there even enough margin there for what we typically do. And then if it looks like there's a good spread, then that's when we kind of dive right. a little Let me bit go deeper. A step deeper, look at the software, do a real analysis, yeah. real underwrite. What about in the last, probably not now, although some little areas are, are still very hot, but <clears throat> like a year and a half ago when the market was insane, 10 or 15 offers on each house, how did you guys compete, right? You don't ha- necessarily have time to run everything through a software and wait. Did you ever do any deals in the last few years when the market was super hot where you kind of had to just put the money down and, and roll with it before an extensive yes evaluation? And no. So yes and no. I will say, you know, we're fortunate because Keely has built a brand for herself, her name, Keely Toro, Tampa Flippers, right? Keely Toro Design. She's built a brand where we run into a lot of other market participants, so other agents where they just know her, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we might find a property where there's 20 offers on the property, but Keeley calls the other agent and they know, hey, we can buy just as good as cash. Our word is gold, right? We have a good product. They can go see the Instagram page and see all the past projects. So, you know, they're typically favorable to us when we go in on those offers because they know they're telling their buyer, hey, this is a legitimate, amongst these 20 I know without a doubt these folks real can buy this house, Real estate right? is a lot about who you know. It's a relationship business, yeah. It's a relationship right? business. Yeah. So, you know, kind of being in it for, and, and it's not a huge business. Like a lot of the movers and shakers, there's not that many. So a lot of times it would either be, you know, people would bring us the offer, bring us the deal. Um, but if it was one where I was somehow connected to the agent, it would either be like, I know them personally, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a small community and they know me and I know them. We're acquaintances. Um, we've done a deal together. I try to always be as professional as possible and like make it everything a smooth experience on the other side, especially cause a lot of these, like I'm listing them at the end and I have 25 offers, right? So actually one of the ways that we have won other offers is when I would have to go back to these 24 agents and tell them like, Hey, your buyer didn't get it. I would like be really compassionate and kind and like, here's some insight into why you guys didn't get it. And they weren't getting that. Like the listing agents were just like, Hey, we didn't accept your offer moving on. And I was like being friendly with people. So a lot of times I'll go back and like, we'll have something, a house come up that we're like, we want to put an offer in on it. And I'll go like into my text messages or I'll search my email and I'll see like previous communications. And then I use that as like a connector to say, Hey, you know, this is Keely Toro. I don't know if you remember, but you had made an offer on my listing on such and such 
and right away they they're like, oh yeah, I remember, and you know people remember yeah, how you make them treat, feel. Treat people like people, yeah, right? So. Uh, never you know overlook the value of a backup offer. <laughs> yes. right? We've caught a lot of great deals on just all right, we're willing to put a backup Our offer in, and then staying on top of those backup, backup offers. Offer. Let's talk about yeah. that. Deal. Yes, Good. that was. Go ahead. All right, so the margin was two hundred thousand on a flip, right? Not Whoa. not too bad. Yeah. Um, but I will I, I will give full credit to Keeley on this yeah. deal. So <laughs> multiple offers on this property. It doesn't um, happen often. We didn't yeah, exactly. <laughs> we didn't. Of course, we didn't. We didn't win the deal. Uh, but you know, Keely, as she just mentioned, friendly tone with the agent, right? Hey, thanks for you know giving us the opportunity. We want to make a backup offer, and then diligently, steadily drip every single week. How's that? No, deal it going? wasn't every week. It was like every day. Okay, every day, yeah. yeah, yeah they trying had to a, make you seem not this must have been a screamer deal that you guys. So they, loved. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It, it was priced at hundred grand. Under Can you reveal value. the address? Can we pull it up? It's um yeah, it's the Lambright flip. What was the address oh, on? Gosh, thirteen twenty. Yeah. This this story actually has quite a few good components to it that I'm proud of. So, um, so when you're running your numbers, you guys are like, wow, this is a phenomenal one, deal. 103 sure. East Lambright, which oh. I think if you, you got to pull it up on realtor.com to see like the photos. Because if, yeah. if you go to Zillow, I think it only shows the, the exterior photo. Now. Nope, 103, go. not 102. You typed it in wrong. See? Oh, no, that's not it. 103. Is it? Oh, no, maybe that's Look at the it. top. Look at what you're searching, Tyler. Yeah, you got to you have a, it's like a comma instead of a, there you go. So you had a Let's backup the Mediterranean. offer on this deal. Okay, so this was an MLS deal, mm -hmm. this house. Oh, you can see the before. That's Perfect. the before at the bottom. So, and you can see we actually didn't do much to the exterior. Um, so this was an MLS deal. This is like in prime Seminole Heights. It's walkable to a bunch of cool restaurants. It came up in MLS and they had like 15 offers on it. Within the first eight just hours, go back it to was the on picture, the market. Man. Just go back and click realtor.com. Yeah, if you go to realtor. Leave, leave that up. There we go. There you go. And that has this like, is after you've renovated this it. This is the after. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was an MLS deal. They had like 15 offers as soon as it hit the market. You're, you're ruining his audio. Mark? <laughs> Jeez. Come this is on, like a man. church. You got to silence the phones. Um, Okay, so MLS deal, they had like eight offers on, or 15 offers on it in like the first eight hours. Our offer didn't get accepted. And, but I always ask questions. So I was like, well, you know, do they have an inspection period? Are they financing? Mm -hmm. Like, what's going on with it? And yes, they had an inspection period. It was like a seven day inspection period. So basically, I waited like two days and then I messaged the agent again. I texted her and just said, hey, um, have they had their inspections yet? And she said, oh, no, it's scheduled for tomorrow. So tomorrow I messaged her and said, hey, how did inspections go today? She said, oh, there's some things that came up. We're, we're trying to work through it. And I was like, well, listen, we don't care what came up in the inspection. We want the house. Like our price is our price. I know that it wasn't the winning price, mm -hmm. but our price is our price and we want the house. And um, long story short, the original buyer tried to ask for a price reduction and the sellers were just like over dealing with them at that point because they had sold them on like we're investors and they've and got we're 14 serious. people behind them. Yep. Right. So and she came back to me and she said, I know you said your price is your price. There's somebody higher than you, but I really feel like, you know, I had sent her my Instagram and said, like, we will get it done. We will buy this house. And she's like, I, I just feel better about you. And mm. honestly, at this point, the sellers are just over it. They want like somebody who's actually going to close. Deal. Will you come up a little bit? And we were like, yeah, we'll come up a little bit. Um, so yeah, we got the house wow. and ended up making 
a boatload of money. And another part to that story that I, th- I think goes back to our philosophy about relationships. So we made the offer on it. And one of my fellow investors that I've worked with for many years, I've helped him with redesigning his projects and listing for him. Um, he messaged me. Young guy, really cool success story. He messaged me and said, hey, did you see that listing on Lambright? I want to make an offer on it. And I was like, I hate to tell you this, but we already made an offer. So, like, I can't help you with that. And we were like, well, do you want to JV on it? Because I just felt like, and we didn't need to JV with him. Like, we totally had our own money to do it and didn't, didn't didn't need to JV at all. But it was just one of those things where... Like that's just our, that's just how we roll. I love that. Wow. Yeah. So, so you shared the wealth with this guy. Yeah, I think relationships over money. I mean, you, yeah. you're, in, you're in the business, right? They're uh, the most valuable currency you have, or is the relationships that you have. Right? You guys have a long term vision for, sure. for you're, sure. You're not in this just to make some so a quick buck on flipping and, yeah. and bail out. Yeah. You, I mean, you we, guys want to turn this into a, a real business. We want yeah. it to be a business, and we really believe and love Tampa. Like we believe in the revitalization of Tampa that's happening, and like our ultimate goal would be to have, you know, a name in Tampa as not just being flippers, but being people who like contributed to the city in real ways and, you know, did some cool redevelopment stuff for the city. We have other goals too that are housing related. This design forward, we we say flipping, but it's really rehabbing a property. You guys are probably taking off drywall that other Right. Know, flippers wouldn't do. Right. Th- that's why you guys have so many followers, and that's why. I mean, what's Tampa Flippers at now? Like 10k followers or something? We're up to like 17 right now. Seven. It's incredible. And 100, re- 114 on TikTok. Yeah. If you're a TikTok, you yeah. guys are on TikTok yeah. too. Yeah. I haven't posted on TikTok though in like probably close to two years. TikTok will they will shred you. Instagram is like the happy cozy. Like Shred cocoon. you like what the comments? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. they're like yeah. you because everybody's like user one nine seven two four. They're not ah, like a real human being, yeah. and they're like you guys are gentrifying scum. <laughs> You're a terrible person, and I'm like so like, emotional <laughs> that it ruins my week. Like when I see that stuff, I'm like you don't know my heart. <laughs> that's, that's, I love that's, that's such a crappy argument. People don't understand that. Look, it's this is our own backyard. It's our right. city. Sure. We're just trying to create a beautiful place for everyone to live. Sure. It's not about making money. I mean, you, I felt like well, and they're, they're not on the other side of those stories where, you know, you sell a house and sometimes we're in communication with the people that we sell houses to and then we see them build a life there and they yeah. start, and they have children not, and, and they're so happy that. there, right? So It's honestly also like the people that you help when you buy the houses. I mean, one of the houses that um, this wasn't a personal flip of ours, this was the uh, partner that we J- that we JV'd on Lambright with. One of his deals, um, it was an off-market deal. We went out to the house to just do, like, the initial walkthrough. And the old couple that owned it was there. It was in Seminole Heights. When I tell you these people were, like, they were living on a very fixed income. The house was complete in complete shambles. It was falling apart. The mar- But the market had gone way up, right? So they were getting, I think he bought that house for, like, 250000 These people were crying. They were like, this is life-changing for us. They were old. They, like, couldn't maintain the house anymore, and they had no money. And they were like, this equity in our home is literally, we're able to retire. They yeah. were planning to go buy another house, like, kind of out in the suburbs, cash. Newer vintage, cash, new house. and put money in the bank, right? And they were just, like, so overwhelmed. And they're like, we just, they had lived in that house for, like, 50 years. They had raised their kids there. They were so excited to see what was going to be done with it because, of course, you know, they loved that house. It was their home and it had, it had did, you know, degenerated, right. It was like in shambles. Now there are stories like that where I feel like, you know, flippers, we get like this terrible name as like 
taking advantage of people. For Mark and I, like we don't take advantage of anybody. We're honest with people. I mean, we have we've had people that have brought us deals, and I'm like, hey, if you and they're like, well, I'm thinking about listing, and I'm like, well, if you want to list it, you'll get more money. Mm, sure. And I mean, most people wouldn't do that, but my goal isn't for anybody to have like regret selling us their home. And everybody that we buy houses from, they're like, they want to come back and see it. They want to come back and walk through it. You know, I just think it, it just depends on like what your spirit is towards people and, you know, how, how you are in business as a human being. But I think that all comes back to you. So. You want to have a happy, you know, you want to have a happy seller. And then the person you sell the home yeah. to, you want them to sure. enjoy this beautiful yeah. home you've created. Sure. Yeah. To have happiness on both sides would be ideal, right? So is this the same? No, this is y'all's new house. Which house is this, Tyler? Where? where no, did... the new house is on our yeah, other page. It's on houses, the design the page. page. Oh, this is just this the design is, yeah, page this is, here. No, this is just Tampa Flippers. Tampa Flippers. Yeah. Let's talk about the new build. You okay. guys have created sure. this amazing new build. It's oh, absolutely you. gorgeous. I love the design. Where did you come up with the idea, first of all, to kind of move into a home like this obviously you're flipping houses sure. and i think we mentioned before we aired you guys have done the two-year tax exclusion a few times buy a house sure. live right. in it for a couple of years fix sure. it up sell it sure i guess let's start with that um what were those first few <coughs> homes you bought lived in and flipped and then translating into the new construction so you know i will say you know first before we go into it i think when you know people come to us hey i want to be become an investor right they're young early 20s I want to be an investor. We always ask, do you, do you own your home yet? And a lot of times they say no, right? So that's the first place to start, right? Use your primary level up, right? right. Year or two, especially if you're in a, an appreciating market like we are, we are here, right? Uh, you know, buy that first home and level up. So that, and that's really, really how we started, right? We always viewed our homes as assets, right? Mm. Honestly, I wish we would have kept everyone and we yeah. just would have kept moving and, of course, and, right. and just accumulated because we have a few friends that have done that and they're in a really sweet spot, right? With cash flow and equity, we but, had no money, so we could, yeah, we, we were, didn't have that luxury. Yeah, we, we were, had to harvest yeah. the equity. So we we've taken the approach like we bought our first house was a foreclosure that we bought. It had like blue carpet, green walls, sure. blue formica countertops. Um, that was our first house that we purchased. We've never and we, we lived in it with all of those yes. things for oh, years, wow. and then and then when we it sold it, yep, yeah, when we went to go sell oh, okay. it, we yeah. renovated it. Probably something, is that similar to what you're doing with your condo? Did the you condo was it? a little bit of half and half. I think when I moved in, we did like trim, paint, floor, that's it. Okay, kind that's kind of what we did. Yeah. So yeah, so we did Made like- Made it livable. Yeah, yeah. Sure. so we like sure. swapped out the green carpet for hardwood floors. We painted the walls a neutral color. But other than that, we still had like really hideous bathrooms and kitchen. Right. Um, and then before we, when we decided to sell it, we uh, gutted those rooms, redid them. I had like, I was like, why didn't we do this when we lived here? Right. Um, and then sold it. We made like a hundred k on our first primary. A more than that, yeah. Yeah, it was a little more than that. Way back then. Actually, Such a yeah. great way to build wealth. You're so right, Mark. Like people are trying to figure out how to start. It's the best place to start. It is. Sure. It is, especially if you're young. Like if you're, if it's not a situation where you're like, I need a forever home. Like if you're in your twenties and you're like not married or just getting married or you know whatever, even with a small baby, buy, just buy something. It doesn't have to be. I think the challenge for people is that all of their friends are buying, mm. you know, 4,000 square foot beautiful homes, right? So that's that's a mindset, you know, it's a financial mindset thing. For Mark and I, we've always taken this approach of the long vision for our life. So we have lived in homes that are not what our friends all live in, not as nice as everybody else's house. Um but we had equity in the house and right. we were on this. So we would harvest the equity from the first house 
And then when we bought the second house, we just put three the three and a half percent five, down. Five percent down if we did conventional financing. Right. And so then everything else was working capital, right? Right. So so right. high leverage and then elbow grease and exactly. then cash to fix it up. That's yep, it. exactly. Tyler's twenty years old, he turns twenty one. How when do you turn twenty one? Next month? Coming in hot. Do you own a house, Tyler? No, but... Tyler, you need to buy a house. I've been talking to Tyler. Like, dude, the first move you need to make is either like the house hack option, which we can talk about too. Love that. You buy a duplex, you live in one side, you rent out the other. Absolutely. We had a guy on the podcast, Riley Mudd. He's flipped 100 homes over the last couple of years in Jacksonville, Tampa, St. Pete. Super savvy real estate guy. He's only 31 years old. He's my age. He still house hacks. I'm like, where do you live, bro? He's like, I live in a fourplex I bought. I renovated the whole thing. I live in one unit and rent out the it's other just three. A different, it's Brilliant. just a different And it's like, dude, so right? many people in their 30s my age, like they are, you know, renting a $9,000 place at Heron and sure. they get the car. And it's right. like, if in your 20s and 30s you can make sacrifices, you will be so wealthy in your 40s and 50s, you won't even believe it. Yep, that's it. So you guys had that mindset going into it. Yeah, I think we always viewed the houses as assets, right? Each one of them. We just knew we were going to use this as an asset. And then, too, eventually now we're at a point where we're in that house that's a little longer term, right? So something that we've built, you know, from the ground up, a vision of our own. But that took, you know, years of, you know, of course – you know, building wealth through flipping our own careers, but then also just leveling up as we move from house to house. Well, your life kind of has to be compatible with that movement too, right? Like I'm sure the reason you're going to stay put is your children right. and, yeah. and stability. Right. Right. And I have to think about that too. I had a baby, he's four months old. So I have to convince, you know, him when he's a little older and my wife, like, Hey, you know, can we move every two years? Her right. answer is probably no. Right. <laughs> so for for her, she sees what I've done with I've probably flipped, I think, I think the condo is like my fourth personal home I've flipped every two or three years. Okay. Yeah. The first one was a little condo in Sarasota. It was 125000 Put a little money in it and I sold it for 179. All right. But I'm single and I was like 24 years old at the time. Yeah. It's a lot different having a sure. baby and a wife. I right. think as you get older, you can kind of slow that down. Yeah. But the earlier you can start in that process, the better. Yeah, for sure. And you're a finance guy. You know that you can put three and a half or five percent down. I don't know about today, but on sure. a fourplex, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like you can if you, you can, can, do, you find can go a FHA. fourplex, yeah. oh my gosh, you can accelerate your wealth for sure. really easily. Yep. I love that idea, Tyler. Let's do it. Heck yeah, man. (laughs) He's saving his commissions. (laughs) The Heights has a lot of really cool, you know, they have the mother-in-laws in in the back too. And that's another option, right? Where you like live in the front house and you rent the back house. Or we've actually talked to other people who live in the small little (laughs) studio in the back. I was going to say. And they rent that front house out for four grand a month. and it pays. better option. yeah, Yeah. And it pays and it cash flows. It pays for the whole mortgage. So, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think house hacking is you know, sets you up, sets you up to have a much easier time. You can also do it alongside any career. You don't have to be a real estate person. You don't have to be a realtor. You could have, you could be a lawyer, doctor, anything, and either house hack or an amazing producer, an amazing producer and improve the property (laughs) you live in. You could even do it yourself. There's no reason why you couldn't look paint goes a long way. Yeah, sure. Right. Small stuff like that can create tens of thousands of dollars in equity. Yep. Sure. I mean, then, you know, if you look over the last few years, there were periods where you, you didn't have to do anything to the house, right? right. The value is just rising all on its own, right? So if, That's if a good you had that too. house hacking strategy, you didn't put a dime into the house, it could be worth, you know, 150K two years later or more, right? So 
That's so true. There's so many people that made a lot of money just because they bought in a great location right. and Tampa kind of blew up over right. the last yeah. five years and now they're sitting pretty. Yeah. yeah. So on the new construction home. You have kinda, to go to the other one to pull that up if you want. The Keeley Toro Design. Keeley Toro Design. So yeah. you guys were at a phase in, in your life where you said, hey, maybe we're not going to move out of this one real quick. Let's design something that we love and we'll be in for a few years. Yes. So that was the mindset going in. Oh, you know in. what? You guys are going to hate me because I don't think I have. I have yeah, not posted you have on the elevation page. on here somewhere. No, I don't think so. I think I only have it like prior to it That's being finished. That's the kitchen finished. there. Yeah. Now, what we're looking at now, these are... These are other these business. are other houses that I've designed. Yeah. Gorgeous. Thank you. Gorgeous. Yeah, I don't have any of the It's in And this is making somewhere. me feel like a social media slacker. <laughs> There's got to be one of it prior to full completion. Let's see. Keep scrolling. And this was new construction, right? Ground up. This was ground up new construction, so really cool we got to um completely do the floor plan exactly how we wanted it it's probably not this far back is it no the renderings will be back there but it's yeah oh that's a good idea actually you if, if you go up tyler there's a no you know what tyler i will post there's it right an there. icon now go up if you go up there's an icon that says tampa tutor yeah but it's that's a real are you guys going to edit uh, this out see that that's the elevation right no there. no it's okay. no. tampa tutor there tyler right in the middle Oh, there we go. That works. Wait, Tyler, let me sh let me do this real quick, just just for you guys. I'm gonna post the exterior right now. There we go. You could probably airdrop it to Tyler, and then he could put it up. Oh, okay. I there you go. It's surrendering. Gorgeous. What an interesting design. I think Tampa is ripe for some of these more intricate designs. Sure. I'm originally from Tampa. I know you guys have been here a while too, but there's there's really now there is, but like five years ago, there was nothing excitable about residential real estate in Tampa. Sure. Agreed. And I think today there's a lot of new, you know, whether it's developers or, or redevelopers, flippers like you guys, or new home builders that are kind of taking a more um, design forward approach. And I think it's popular because it, it really doesn't exist otherwise. I think the market for it is ripe. Sure. Um, and I think it's going to be an extremely lucrative space in real estate going forward, including commercial property, mixed use, like all aspects. Tampa for a long time was not nice at all. Sure. We still have a long yeah. way to go. We still yeah. have potholes I feel like everywhere. Florida, re Florida real estate in general is pretty it's, hideous. It's lacking. <laughs> but to your point, it's, it's coming around here in the city. Design matters, right? Um, yeah. Different elevations. I think, you know, this house, the, the Tudor, our, our Tudor, uh, the elevation is unique, right? That swoop on the roof. And you see some of that in Carolina, right? The Carolinas. Oh, yeah. uh, but you don't see it as much here, especially well, a, a, on a larger square footage home, a bigger elevation. You'll see right. it on the smaller ones, right? Why do you think that it is not really prevalent here in Tampa? You know, that because you go to Atlanta, like you guys live in Atlanta for a year. Some of those yeah. homes are incredibly Amazing. craftsman yeah. style sure. gorgeous. Sure. Yeah. I don't, you know, I think it's... Um, it's not traditionally a coastal kind of elevation. I'll, I'll let you speak to the design. Here I am rambling about design. That's it. Now we have there her. There you go. She's yeah, up. there she is. <laughs> you know what, though? It's not, I wouldn't say it's offensively like Northeastern. I, I still think it fits in our Florida kind of coastal market. Yeah. Sure. yeah. So, so our goal with it was the neighborhood that we live in is still, there's a lot of bungalows in there, um, historic homes in there. So we kind of wanted to do a house... And our and our our style is 
a lot of kind of traditional, that brick. We fell in love with the real estate in Atlanta. Like the houses are just beautiful yeah, in Atlanta. Right, yeah. um, so like that, so we have brick on there. It's kind of hard to tell, but the exterior is done in real brick. It's overgrouted. So it just looks really like old world. We did the arch door. It's a wood door. So we wanted something where people, when they drove by, initially would not really know if it was new construction or if it was like one of the historic homes that was in the neighborhood already. Oh, interesting. Um, and then, but in the back, it's like a total Newport Beach vibe. It's just very, it's the pool, really, the pool doesn't really have a cool. cage on it. It's tropical landscaping back there. So. And what did you find during this process? You know, obviously it's new construction versus, you know, rehab. But sure. what did you find that was different about, you know, you're finding a lot versus looking for the good bones of a house like what were some of those differences it's a totally different process yeah. like new construction and rehabbing are completely different and I had been doing new construction design for a while um, but I would come in at the point where the client already had building plans in place right so the difference with this one really was there was there was nothing it was like we picked everything we picked like the elevation like I mean, Every everything, square inch. the dimensions what, of everything. Are, yeah, where are we placing the setbacks? The layout. Right? Yeah. The oh, copper yeah. uh, downspouts. Right. Yeah. So like a real custom home is, there's a thousand, I mean, a hundred million details right. that go into a real custom home. It's like a Whereas, full-time job designing yeah, this thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Whereas when you're doing, a, and same thing for spec, like if you're doing development, right? A lot of stuff, you're not doing, you know, maybe as many details as you would in your own personal home, mm. right? But... Depending but on you the, guys the have level. always had that mentality where you're always going above and beyond in anything you sure. do. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, why would it be different on this new construction home? Right. I mean, for our house specifically, we had had this goal because, again, we had been moving, you know, every couple of years. Our daughter is going into sixth grade this year. And so we had been living up in Seminole Heights, which we loved our neighbors. We loved our neighborhood, um, loved our house. But, you know, we wanted to be somewhere where it had like better school zones and just kind of thinking more, you know, for the, for having a family. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up moving to South Tampa and, um, what neighborhood is this? This is in Gray Gables. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like Kennedy and Himes area. The most central neighborhood in the whole city. Yeah. It's a cool oh, yeah. neighborhood. Really, it's a nice pocket. A mile to everywhere. And it's so neat awesome. because it's, so there's only two streets. Well, there's four streets, but there's like two big streets and two little streets, but there's medians. So there's no through traffic. So it's literally like a quintessential Americana, mm -hmm. like kids out riding their bikes and no traffic. You feel like you're in the suburbs, but you're we like from our bedroom, we can see like a, yeah, the mid, news, a mid news 13 spike, a mid, yeah. Yeah, mid rise commercial. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a cool it's spot. Cool. It's really awesome. And I love the design. You kind of have a portico share with a, I'm assuming garage in the back. You can't yep. see it from yeah, the Yeah. There's a detached garage back there. And Mark what made you go Chevelle with in. that design versus your traditional box with the garage underneath? Yeah. So some of it was force place, but I think Kaylee really, you know, a lot of the inspiration that she well, uh, like drew the setbacks from had, in the garage, the like we could, we, because of the overlays and stuff specific to this lot, like we couldn't have an attached garage. It had to be detached. There were certain regulations for the lot. Oh. Yeah, so there was one house prior. See, there's a new build right there to the right. There was one house covering basically both lots. Right. That house was knocked down, and then, of course, you know, they went through zoning. So now there's two lots. So because the house next door had a front-facing garage. Ours was not allowed. Have, we yeah, had to ours have detached. Oh, I didn't know that that yeah. was a rule. Is that a Gray Gable-specific rule? No, that was something to do with the city. That was like a city requirement. Um, and the, and it wasn't, it didn't have to do with different setbacks because our lot is actually five feet wider 
than their lot. So oh, weird. Yeah, it was some sort of rule where I, I don't I don't know honestly. Maybe <laughs> I'm not upset with it, right? I really like the way it turned out, having the garage in the back. Yeah. And it just it, again, like for us, really something tells looking, me yeah. y'all would have we would have done, done it anyway, yeah. Yeah. right? Because yeah, for so. us, our yeah. again, our goal was for it to look like a historic home, mm-hmm. and for people to question whether it had been there all along. Like we 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 really wanted to. I just we've been renovating bungalows for a really long time. I love historic homes. Um, we fell in love with that Atlanta real estate. There's a lot of tutors up there. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to just like kind of honor like historic Tampa, but we also didn't want a bungalow. So this was just our, I don't know. We just, I love it. We wanted something Thank different. You. Yeah, we're, we're proud of it. <laughs> we like to march it was, a, it was a labor of love yeah, for sure. It's really nice. Thank you. Really nice. There was a tutor for sale right off Idlewild. It was on the water. It was listed for a million three. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It was like an old one, though. An old yeah. one from the 1920s, yep. an original tutor. Amazing. Really cool. Yeah. I went yeah. and saw it, and I thought, that's my next two-year flip. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But the house needed a lot of work. Yeah. You know, 100-year-old home, it's got a lot of I mean, I will say, it. yeah, there's something different about living in new construction. You're like, right. nothing is weird. Like, everything is I'm sure that's an exciting right, feeling, you know? right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think For we're sure. we're definitely inspired being in the house. And yeah. then the backyard you mentioned was like a totally badass vibe, right? Yeah, we wanted so Mark. So I'm a total homebody. I don't like. I, I would rather be home than anywhere else. And I think it was on your Instagram, the backyard. There was I, a picture. Pro, there's a lot of a lot of my stories are typically I'm out there in all the time. In your backyard, okay. Well, you obviously enjoy it very much. I think it was on. It's on the other one, yeah. The other page. But our goal is my or my goal specifically was basically to create like a resort vibe for the mm. house, like something that we would just feel like happy. We don't ever want to leave here. Oh, it's just a cover photo, guys. I'm disappointing you. <laughs> yep, that's it. Oh, this is us talking to our daughter about. So you guys investing. even did brick <laughs> in the back too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. because so a lot it, of, that's another cost cut, right? Like, oh, only do the front facade, right. and then what's yeah. neat about this home, and I think what we'll do and future homes that we develop, it has a indoor outdoor living. So the entire living room has an accordion glass door, right? So the entire house is oh, open wow. to an accordion glass door and the outside is designed to feel like the inside, right? So beautiful, kind of neat, right? And that's why she, you know, she mentions it feels like a resort, right? Because everything feels like it flows all the way through. Well, too, and that's turf also, which is kind of neat. It's not dirty at all back there. Which is oh, really I bet cool. that's so nice. No yeah. maintenance. Yeah. That's kind of a, yeah. we were talking earlier about like what a buyer is looking for and then building for that buyer's needs. How do you guys, I mean, what you've done with the backyard, right? That's the Florida lifestyle. People want that indoor, outdoor living space. They want the pool. You know, they want an outdoor kitchen. You guys didn't go with a pool cage. That's kind of a, I think there's a shift happening right now where people don't want that pool cage. Why did you guys make that decision? So I will say if, uh, if you have real grass in the backyard, you probably need the cage right because of the bugs right right Right? so you know using deciding to put turf back in there made that possible um but you know i I don't think we ever envisioned having a people from the northeast can't believe it they're like why do you guys put cages on the pools i'm like no no no, you don't understand like you will get eaten alive by bugs it's way less buggy back there the kids are not like tracking mud in and out of the pool like i just pictured it was going to be like a gigantic mud pit 
So we did the turf, but I struggled with it because I kept thinking of the movie The Lorax where they're like, it's plastic and fake, and they like it that way. I was like, this is so, like, not natural. But I feel like it's unlike you guys to do something like it that. It kind of yeah. is. It right? kind yeah. of yeah. is. Yeah. I, you know, I would imagine you would want the authentic, real right. Bermuda grass or whatever it would no, be. No, it's the zoysia. So that was kind of a pinch point for you, debating, like, grass, what do we do? And the turf, turf? is expensive. So oh, that's yeah. another part yeah, to it. Sure. You're like, do we put all this money into that? But... Honestly, best guys, decision we best made. Best decision we Without ever made. Really, the turf we are used, very happy with yeah. it. We love it's it. a small city lot, right? So not every family can do that. You have a pretty big lot in the back, but I think most of the South Tampa kind of postage stamp lots. That's the way to go. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Like we literally can be back there in the evening time. There's very little bugs or mosquitoes. The kids have like picnics back there. I mean, you can just go literally lay in the grass and you're not itchy and getting eaten alive. This is stuff I didn't even think about. It's beautiful. We didn't really plan it that way either. We literally only thought about it in terms of not caging the pool and not having it be a mud pit. Right. We are out in our backyard all the time. It's the best money we spent. It was the best thing that we invested in. Now, in the front is a different story. I think it looks bad if... When people do it. Oh, yeah, you can't. I agree. You'll make enemies with the That's neighbors. So you, weird. Want, yeah. you want, you know, you're trying to make a statement in the, sure. in yeah. the front yeah. elevation. Sure. It's what so do we weird. got? Oh, we've got. Hey, all right. Volume. There you go. Oh. <laughs> So we're watching a video right now. Sorry about that little that's, music, yeah, folks. Yeah, sorry. That was Even my, though it was a good song, I was jamming <laughs> up. This is gorgeous. So this is it. This There's is the accordion it. doors. Yep. So that's Beautiful. our living space. And you went with this black windows. This is our windows. master. So we've got like 24-foot ceilings up there. That's wow. our bathroom. Gorgeous. So the master bedroom is pretty cool, too. We designed it to feel like a, like a like resort, a hotel like a hotel suite. suite. So, yeah. Um, In what it, way? So it has, uh, you know, a built-in, as you would see in a hotel suite. With a refrigerator. With a, with a fridge. Oh. Yeah, we've it's got the balcony. Bar, massive balcony. Yeah, yeah that bar, was exactly. the balcony. Balcony with a pool. large pergola. So we have, you know, couch couch seating out on the balcony. Uh, just all of it. It's just, it, it feels like a suite, like a hotel suite. It's pretty Yeah, neat. we just want to feel like we're on vacation in Florida. Very custom, time. too. I'm kind of noticing the cabinets y'all chose. Like, it looks like each bathroom is different. Yeah. Sure. Right? Different yeah. design, different So we style. had all of the cat, all of our... Um, Vanities and our, I'm going to give a little shout out. All of our vanities and our kitchen island were done by a local craftsman. His their, uh, name on Instagram is Rowan and Weish. Beautiful work. So, mm. like, we designed every, I designed every detail of every vanity in the house. And he custom One man show, his business, he designed every inch. Yeah, yeah. 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 He, him and his wife run their business. It's like a mom and pop um, cabinet maker. And he carpenter. just, carpenter. And he just does, like, really, really amazing, beautiful, high quality work. So, he did all of that for us. No box cabinets, right? No. Right. Ooh, I love the blue. The blue. That's my yeah. son. He's a trader. He's a Yankees fan. Yeah. Love. <laughs> Yankee blue. I love that. Interesting. Very cool. So you did, looks like built-ins all throughout the home, not just in the master. Yeah, guest every, bedroom. every room has the a kids touch of it. Yeah, right. the kids have their own desks. This is the guest bedroom, so that one doesn't have a built-in. But the kids' bedrooms, they each have their own built-in desk. And then our room has the um, cabinetry for snacks and a refrigerator. Love it. So the plan, you know, in a few years, whenever you guys are ready, sell it. 
Build another one, right? <laughs> so, you know, this one we caught at 3%, so I don't think we're ever letting I know. It what is it called? They're calling it the golden one. handcuffs right wow. now? I just read an article yeah. about right? that. Right? Yeah. That's, that's where we're going to be at. We'll keep this one forever. Yeah. Amazing. We, may, we Maybe we'll rent it out one day. Yeah. And yeah. if we decide to build. I'm looking at this home thinking about 3%, and it's like, it almost doesn't even seem real. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. You, got, you got it at 3%. What great timing. Thread yes. of the needle right yes. there, right? <laughs> It's, and on a house like this with these numbers, it would make it almost not even make sense at 7%. It's right. Like, you know. yeah, it would be difficult for a, you know, it's just a different buyer, right? Um, what are you guys seeing in the market right now with these increased costs, especially for your business uh, in terms of flipping, rising uh, debt costs? You know, we had that property tax increase that just got shot down. Thank God. Yeah, right? that was a little nerve wracking. It's kind of nerve wracking for real. Um, what are you guys seeing in your personal business? Are you guys slowing down? What's yeah. Happening? So on, on the lending side, you know, we're fortunate. We have a great lender partner and our pricing is pretty similar to what it was you know, prior to rising rates. So, you know, it's not consistent for everybody, but we're, we're in that fortunate position. So that helps us with underwriting. You know, I think you have to, you know, just be mindful of you know valuation on the back end right you really got to be an expert oh yeah uh, i think i think right now it's just most important to buy right up front i think for Mm. a long time flippers have been like banking on they'll buy something that like eh, maybe i'll make money maybe i'll break even but they're like banking on that equity that the property is going to increase over the next six months and there's going to be buyers that are willing to pay gap and all these other things and that has definitely shifted right like buyers have more to choose from they are, there's just less buyers out at 7% than there is at 3%. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're able to be more picky and discerning about not only just the condition and quality of the property, um, but they, f- I, I think the sentiment, because real estate is such an emotional, it's, it's emotionally charged, right? Mm-hmm. So buyers feel like, they already feel like they're overpaying. Because right. all of their friends and family have 3% interest rates and they have a 7%. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, they're like, they feel like they're overpaying to be homeowners. And so where does that leave them when they go to make offers? They're not offering above asking. They're not willing to pay gap, right? If they're mm-hmm. the only offer because the house has been on the market for two weeks, they've got some leverage for the first time in right. a really long time. You know, so I think right now we're just being more conscious of making sure that what we're buying, we're going to be able to make money with, with a conservative ARV. So if we make more, great. Yeah. So I think buying right is important, right? So now you're probably, you need to you know commit more to your ratio, right? So, you know, I only bought, my total acquisition is 80% of ARV, right? So you're committing to that philosophy. And then also with your ARV, you know, if you're on our end of the spectrum and you feel like you create value, you know, design driven value, and you can go above the market price point, you know, you could forecast. So let's say the comps say, 600 but you know your product is a 650 product you know you know a couple years back you could forecast that way but i think now you really have to use the Mm -hmm. data almost any flipper right even if you're design driven value add uh you really need to say okay i'm going to commit to the data what does the data say as far as comparables and let me use that instead of you know my aspiration price if i get more all the better but i'm going to underwrite and only go into the to the deal that makes it hard because then you feel like you have to you you don't want to ever walk away from something. I feel like, you know, when you're flipping, you're like, you want to acquire as many houses as you can, you know, that come across your way that seem like they're a good deal. But we just had this with the one we're closing on one next Friday. Um, That's our first going to be our first million dollar flip. And the lady called us for off of, uh, she, she found us on Google, like they just Googled like Tampa house flippers and got us. And, um, but she had other investors interested 
And so we made her an offer and she had a higher offer. Again, the power of follow-up, she had a higher offer than ours. And so obviously I was like, well, we can offer more. And Mark was like, no, this is like the number. We need to be at this number to make sure that we're okay. And so I just was like, hey, we can't go any higher. But I was upset. I'm like, we're going to lose this house and I really want to do this house. And I just consistently followed up with her and same thing. The other investor showed up at her house. He told her all the things that were wrong with the house and bullied her and made her feel like really bad. Mm, and yeah. yeah, she called yeah. me and was just like. I've never taken that approach. I know some people do. They they either give the seller the price they want, have inspections, and then try to retrade right. and yeah. cut people down. Sure. Right. Sure. I've always gone into it extremely excited. I, I, I'm the buyer for the house. Yes. I can't yeah. wait to buy the house. I love this house. Yep. It's got problems, but we'll, you know, I know what to do with it. I think that's super important. I agree. So and we, that was- we make that promise, right, to our, to our sellers. Hey, we're not going to renegotiate. We're, we're strict on our price, and this may not be the price for you. But we're you, being honest. But, hey, we're, this, we're, we're not going to renegotiate. We know, right. what it, we know what it costs us to do the level of renovation that we want to do for your home because this is what we do. Uh, so we want to be honest with you. This is our price, but we won't we won't renegotiate with you. We won't bully you. Then they go through those phases of those other buyers who maybe offer a little more, and they walk the property, and then they you know they go through that re- renegotiation process. And then they, you know, it's a I mean, here's point the other thing. Back. Like, when I have that initial conversation, I'm also educating. So I'm saying, like, hey, you have a great house and you're offering it at a great price. So I'm sure you're going to have lots of interest. And here's the different types of people that are going to express interest in your home. You're going to have wholesalers that are not in buyers. These guys can't buy your house because they don't have the money to do it for most of them, Mm -hmm. right? And they're going to present you with an assignable contract that releases them from liability. And they're also going to have in there built in some sort of a fee because they're going to try to sell your house to another investor. And if they can't sell your house to another investor, then they're going to back out. And you're going to have nothing, right? Because they've got a 25-day inspection period also in there. Um, so just be prepared for that. you know. And that might be worth the risk to you. If the wholesaler is offering you $50,000 more and you want to let him do the legwork to find you a buyer that's willing to pay that much money more, you come out of it with fifty grand. But if your goal is to sell this house quickly to an end buyer, that would be us. Mm. We're, we're here. We're serious. We aren't going to come through and tear, tear your house apart because we're making an offer assuming – that it needs to be fully gutted because we only buy houses that we're really fully going to gut, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, them knowing that and then the people showing up. And, and and the other thing I'll say is, like, people will make you an offer, but then they'll come through and they'll try to renegotiate. Mm. And then the other buyer came through and did exactly that. Seems like that. it's a standard in our business. Sure. Right. And it's so it. funny. you The golden rule, right? It's so simple. We, oh, all, yeah. we all know it. But, you know, if you use it, it, it pays off over time for sure. 100%. I mean, I, I definitely think we probably – don't get all of the deals that we could get. Like there's yeah. definitely, yeah, there, there's definitely a sacrifice to doing business that way. But I think that's why you guys are going to have longevity in this business is because you're not going to be cutting corners, not only in your design, but like buying bad deals, right? Yeah. paying extra for deals you shouldn't pay. And it's so nice. You guys have each other. Cause it sounds like Keely, you're more obviously design oriented. You get very excited about a home. Let's pay this for right. it. And then Mark is like, hold on, yeah. you know, like here's yeah. the numbers. Right. Like, you guys compliment each other in an awesome way. Sure. We've been rolling. I don't know. What are we at? Like an hour and a half. I don't want to keep you guys all day. Um, let's just quickly talk about the future real quick. Yeah. Sure. First million dollar flip. Is it a million dollar acquisition? Or no. you're saying million dollar ARV. Million dollar so, ARV. Yeah. Well, congratulations. You. Is Thank your you. goal to do more of the high end stuff, more higher price point? Yeah. I mean, I feel like 
Although that's kind of just where we're at in the market. Yeah, I feel like... You got to find deals anywhere, right? If we're being honest, right? You, mm. you got to find deals that work for our strategy, you know, in the urban core where we want to stay. So, so an entrepreneurial philosophy in that you just want to do the deals that make sense to you. Yes, yeah. financially. Yeah, I mean, obviously... And where we can make along, a cool product, right? That's consistent right. with our brand. Right. From a design perspective, what comes along with doing a higher end flip is that there's more margin. So we're able to do some cooler things. So that's the exciting part. But... I think another, you know, for us, another kind of uh, thing that we think that we do think about and we do consider is wanting to also do houses that are like affordable for normal people. Mm. So, you know, we, you know, housing for my family, it, it changed, it changed our life. My parents were homeless when they met each other and they had no credit. They had like, you know, my parents both worked hard, but they didn't. We were poor and my dad was a pest control guy and this little old couple that my dad had been servicing their house for like 10 years um, since we had moved to Spring Hill. One day, literally, he went to go service their house and they said, we are moving, we're retiring and we would love to own or finance our house for your family so that you guys can own a home because we were living like in duplexes and renting and um, it changed it changed my family's life. And so, like, one of the things that we are passionate about and that also is a long-term goal, you know, there's balance to it, right? Like, we want to develop big, beautiful multifamily houses, and we want them, we want to be financially successful. But we also do want to find ways in, the, in this near future of how do we get back to, like, affordable housing? How mm. do we – so there's an equal passion there for, like, yeah, I want to do the million-dollar houses, but I also want to do, like, cool smaller houses that real people can afford. And that they enjoy and they and sure. they love to, to be around. Yeah, them. that's just, like, a beautiful space for them, yeah. you know? And, and I think that you guys do that perfectly well, and you kind of set it, Mark, where it's, like, you guys might do a project that you don't have to do, but right. it's not about making the money. It's just about kind of executing this vision sure. that, that complements the style you yeah. guys have been doing for right. the past few years. Right. So for we're sure. fortunate, right? So all of the entire business, they all work together, right? Kind of synergistically, right? So I think we'll always do flips, right? Where, to, you know, to your point where we can make a really cool product. Uh, we like just being a part of that community. Right, being in touch with other investors. And the process is just cool. I mean, there is something really cool about like taking this rundown, dumpy, terrible house and like then going into it when it's staged and it's redesigned and you're like from where it started, it's pretty a lot of satisfaction from that. It's so far removed from a job and what people think work is. Sure. I mean there's a passion. I know we all share that passion. I know Tyler does too. And that that part of real estate is so fun and exciting. It does not feel like work. No, yeah. it doesn't. I would do I mean, this it, for it free. Is, right, you? like it is stressful and like there are like work days, but at the end of the day, it doesn't feel like work because mm. you're excited about it and you're passionate about it, which I think is why things like Tam- the Tampa Flippers Instagram, right? Like it's, a, it's also a vision that a lot of people share. Mm-hmm. There's so many, we get DMs all the time from people that are aspiring investors. We just spoke at an investor, um, meeting last month we're speaking at another one this month and the room gets packed because when they know that there's a panel of flippers up there talking they're like they they want that they want to figure out how do i do that right it's just there's something about it they've been watching it on tv they follow these different instagrams and tiktoks and they like want to try that on their own so it's i I find that it's a really common like life goal for people and a lot of people do it once and they, they're like, eh, did that. Never doing it again. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Some know? people get burnt. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So are you guys leaning more into the 
podcasting, speaking at investor meetups. I saw you're doing like a book club of sorts, which I think is awesome yeah. for yeah. self-development. Yeah. yeah, thanks. Yeah, we're just trying to be more of a presence, right? It's, right. Um, you know, I've been working in a career for, for years now and, you know, we've made this transition where uh, we're focusing only on the business and building the business. So we just want to get out and tell our story and yeah. yeah. That's so, exciting. so I know we, and we talked about that kind of prior to going live, but our goal for our family since we purchased that first house has always been, you know, Mark came from the mortgage industry, which is sales, right? Like mm-hmm. your, your output dictates your income. And then we have kids and we, he's got his MBA and he's very marketable to like a, an actual, you know, W2 job, mm-hmm. right? And a high paying W2 job. And so, you know, once you get into that mode of this high salary, there's a comfort in that. But there's also kind of always been this underlying, like, we're passionate about real estate. He misses that. He's part of it, but only when he's not working full time and there's not a lot of hours to give. So we set a goal, you know, long ago that by 40, we were going to have put ourselves in a financial position for him to be able to exit corporate and be able to pursue real estate full time, which is where the now the development comes in and these bigger goals that we're looking to achieve and so yeah we're kind of putting our faces out there a little more and talking a little more about you know our journey and who we are and another another part to that is we went to um a mutual friend's housewarming party and someone came up to us and this was kind of a pivotal moment because we hadn't really put our faces on social media much and he came over and he said I watched you guys do a live now we have probably only done like half a half dozen, a dozen yeah. lives sure. in the history of Tampa flippers. And so he came up and he said, I watched you guys do a live about a month ago. And um, no, it was prior to that. It had it been, had been a, a few months. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. He said, I watched you guys do a live and it inspired me. And my wife and I bought our first flip. We redid it. We made money. And he shared his story. And his story was, I'm going to cry. Because it was, he, he grew up in like abject poverty with, Addiction and addiction family, and right alcoholism there. and all of these things. And he talked what he talked about was how in that how isolating that is and how those limiting beliefs like affect you. And they have small kids, like similar like a baby and a toddler. And um that he just wanted something different for his kids and he wanted to build a legacy for them and they're doing it. Yeah, he was kind of like, Hey, you know, you guys gave us the guts and him and his wife are now in it together. I think they own three or four properties. And, That's amazing. Uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty and awesome. That was pretty awesome. It, it was we, inspiring for us, and we're right. like, "Hey, we, you know, that's the most valuable currency that we can have." That's we why have I that followed you guys people, years but, ago. Is I was yeah. inspired by you and your uh, your you. attention to yeah. detail because it's so rare. It's so rare to find people in business that don't have a short term mindset. I know you guys are in this for the long run. Yeah, you know, and it's Thank so you. apparent, and not only your business philosophy, but also the the real estate you guys build. Awesome. Yeah, thank, you. thank you. Well, congratulations on the next step in your life. I think that's incredible. Thank you. Thanks thank for you. being part of the next step and yeah, inviting us exactly. on here. This is awesome. Absolutely. Where can people find you, follow along? Obviously, Tampa Flippers on Instagram, but yep. what else do you guys have? We have Tampa Flippers on Instagram. Our website, uh, because somebody jacked the Tampa Flippers website, is tampahomeflippers.com, okay. which totally is awful. Um, my And then my design page is Keely Toro Design. On Instagram and that kind of shows more new construction and development I've got some cool stuff coming down the line I've got nine spec homes that I'm gonna be I haven't posted on there in a while so 
and I've a developer cool partner that share. has plans for 30 some odd homes yes. Kaylee will get to be a part of. So. Yeah, so we'll have some cool Fantastic. content going up on that one too. Super so. exciting, guys. Yeah, well, thanks thank again. You. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, bye everybody. Bye.